Good morning to you, church. It is good for us to be together. We're going to return again this morning to chapter 8 of the book of Acts. And so if you would go ahead and turn there in your Bible, the 8th chapter of Acts. Now, as you're turning, we told you back in January that we would be talking about uh, gospel conversations throughout this year. And guys, that's going to continue today. And, and, and maybe you're kind of wondering, well, why are we making such a big deal about this? I mean, what is the thing? Did we just find some gimmick so we can celebrate some numbers? No, I hope you know better than that, right? No, let me tell you, your lead pastors and ministers have sensed for a long time the need to lead our congregation to be better about sharing the gospel. You see, historically, First Hurst, it is for a long time, it's been just a fantastic church. Can I get an amen? All right. But as a church, we for a long time struggled when it comes to sharing our faith effectively. And that certainly includes me. And so GC23 is something that was led by the Spirit of God because I believe the Lord wants His church here at First Hurst to be better equipped, better motivated, and just flat more effective at sharing the gospel with a world that is dying without Jesus all around us. So that's why we continue to focus on gospel conversations. We'll do that today in Acts chapter number 8. And so um, just before we get there, though, understand we're going to find in Acts 8 another episode from Philip's life. And as we read through that text, we're going to see that it really centers around a gospel conversation. You can't miss it. That's what it's all about. All right, but um, just before we read it, let me bring you up to speed. Remember last week, we were in the first half of chapter 8, and we saw that persecution arose against the followers of Christ there in Jerusalem, but that persecution is what ignited the spread of the gospel beyond Jerusalem out into all Judea and Samaria. This is where phase two of Jesus' marching orders kicked into gear because he said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. Persecution was the spark that ignited that. Well, among the many believers who scattered from Jerusalem out into those areas, Philip, as you'll recall, he was one of the deacons chosen in chapter 6, by the way. But Philip, he went to the city of Samaria to the north of Jerusalem and Judea. And he didn't go there to hide, but rather he went there to be a witness for Christ among the Samaritans. And in fact, he had a very successful ministry there. I mean, he, as he was preaching and sharing the gospel, the Spirit of God saw fit uh, to uh, accompany the Word of God with verifying signs and miracles. It was incredible what happened. In droves, the Samaritans came to faith. They had saving faith in Jesus Christ. They were baptized as new believers. They began following the Lord. And it's in that context, so this very successful ministry that we pick up in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now you follow along and, and watch for the gospel conversation. We're going to read to the end of the chapter. Verse 26 of Acts chapter 8 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he had left Jerusalem, went north to Samaria, and now the Spirit of God is telling, No, 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 you go back down south past Jerusalem to that road that goes down to Gaza. And then Luke, the writer of Acts, gives us this extra detail. He says, This is a desert place. And so he rose and went, and, and there was there on the road there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, all the way from Ethiopia, he came to worship. 
And he was now returning, this eunuch, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Verse 29, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch answered, he said, well, how can I unless somebody guides me? And he invited Philip then to come up and to sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. It's from Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8, by the way, which is all about the suffering Savior, Jesus. It says, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch then said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or about someone else? <laughs> Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, well, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Now, Depending on what version you're reading from, you may or may not have verse number 37 as part of your text. It's, it's, it's not in all versions because, and we have it in brackets as you'll see on the screen, because it's not found in the oldest manuscripts available to scholars in translating Scripture. It's believed that it was not part of the original uh, inspired Word of God, but was added later for clarification or to add some context. We're going to read it with that understanding this morning. Verse 37 would read, so he asked about being baptized, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now pick up verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip, he found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Now, reading through that, did you notice the gospel conversation that happened? I mean, that's really the heart of this text. Philip went where the Lord told him to go. He came across this Ethiopian eunuch on the road there. He engaged him in simple, congenial conversation that turned towards spiritual truth real quick, and so he told him about Jesus. Philip had what we call a divine appointment that had been orchestrated by the Lord so that this particular guy, this eunuch, would hear the gospel that day. Now, as we kind of work back through this text, understand there are several things that we can learn about our own gospel conversations as we think back through this. The first thing is we learn about the spirit we obey. The spirit we obey. The spirit told Philip, this is where I want you to go next. And then once he got there, the Spirit said, all right, now go over there and talk to that guy. Now, I'm paraphrasing there a little bit, right? But in both of those cases, Philip obeyed the leadership of the Spirit of God. He had this divinely appointed gospel conversation, and that Ethiopian eunuch was gloriously saved. And now I think it's interesting that Luke made a point in verse 26 to tell us, now this was a desert place where Philip was told to go. And that's significant because We've got to learn that ministry doesn't only happen in easy, comfortable places. In fact, sometimes the Lord calls us, the Spirit leads us to some difficult, rather uncomfortable places. The Spirit has led us as a church to form and maintain mission partnerships in a lot 
of difficult places of this world. One of those in particular, Niger in sub-Saharan West Africa, it is literally a desert place. And as you'll see in these pictures that we'll scroll through here, it's a place that in the desert, it's, it's hot, it's dirty, it is uncomfortable. Niger is among the top 10 poorest nations in the world. It's been rated as recently as 2021 as the least developed nation in the world. And it's often recognized as one of, if not the, least educated countries in the world. And yet for about 16 years now, even though it's not an easy place to go, for about 16 years now, we've been sending teams from the comforts of Hearst, Texas to the difficult place of Niger because the Spirit of God has called us to do that, led us to take the gospel there, to partner with boots-on-the-ground missionaries in that difficult place of Niger. In fact, we've got a team going next month again to take the gospel there, because that's what the Spirit has told us to do. You see, sometimes ministry happens even in difficult desert places. Well, Philip was told, rise and go toward the south. Now, when you think about it, Philip didn't have any good reason for leaving Samaria and going down south to this desert road. No logical reason anyway. I mean, the Samaritan masses were still turning to Christ. But on that road out in the desert, there wasn't going to be hardly anybody there, okay? It was not a well-traveled road. All the statistics and just plain good logic said he'd have a much more fruitful ministry as a witness for Christ if he stayed in Samaria. Revival had broken out there. People were being saved. Why would he leave in the middle of that? But you see, there was a really good reason for him to go. It's because the Spirit of God told him to. And that makes it the perfect place for him to go, the only logical place for Philip to go. You see, how the Lord calls us and moves us and leads us, it doesn't always make sense to us. But we've got to obey the Spirit's leading just like Philip did, even when it doesn't make sense. Now, about that leading, in verse number 29, we read that says, and the Spirit said to Philip. I read passages like that in both the Old Testament and the New Testament where God spoke to so-and-so, and I react the same way every time. Must be nice right? Have you ever thought that? I mean, when I'm facing decisions, it sure would be nice for God to just tell me out loud, this is what, right? It would be nice. But understand, we're not told just how the Lord spoke to those folks. I'm not convinced that Philip necessarily heard the audible voice of God in this, in, in this instance. Maybe the Spirit spoke to him in a different way. I believe God's Word reveals to us that the Lord speaks to us by the Holy Spirit through at least five different methods. I've shared these with you before, but just as a refresher, I'm going to throw them on the screen for you again. He speaks to us by the Holy Spirit through His Word, prayer, other believers, our circumstances, and through an inner peace. But now remember, we're listing these five, but the Spirit of God is almighty. He is not limited in any way. He can communicate to us however he chooses to. In this particular case, he chose first to speak to Philip through an angel. Now, I'm not just sure how that went down. Maybe Philip was praying in Samaria one day, and while he's praying, he sees this vision of an angel that speaks to him and says, go down to the road that leads, that leads to Gaza. Maybe. Or it could be, that this angel of the Lord took the unassuming appearance of just another face in the crowded streets of Samaria. 
And, and maybe Philip just overheard the, a conversation the angel was having with some, some folks around. And um, maybe just the Spirit just used that to birth this, this burden in the heart of Philip and began to give him that inner peace about where he was going. Maybe, maybe that's how he spoke to him in this particular case. I don't know for sure. But however the Spirit spoke to him, Philip obeyed. And that's the important thing to take away. Even though it didn't really make sense, he obeyed like we must. Well, then you get there on the desert road. Philip shows up and ain't nobody around to share the gospel with. Suddenly he sees this chariot coming with this Ethiopian eunuch. And the Spirit spoke to him again and said, go over there and join this chariot. In other words, get over there and talk to that guy. And that might have been another one of those inner peace moments. I don't know if he heard the audible voice of God or not. I know I've had times in my own experience where I sensed the Spirit of God was kind of nudging me and rising up and saying, that guy just needs someone to love him. Would you just walk over there and talk to him? Have you had those moments as well? You know what I'm talking about? Where you sensed the Spirit of God was moving you? That might have been just how it went down here. But he moved Philip to engage that Ethiopian eunuch in a gospel conversation. And church, I want you to hear this. He is still doing the same thing today. Moving his saints to be involved in gospel conversations, to go over and join that chariot. He strategically places us where we'll have opportunities to speak about Jesus to people who need to hear about Jesus. The Lord directed Philip to go to this desert place, and then he directed him uh, to go talk to this guy. He put him there just so he'd be able to approach the Ethiopian eunuch on that particular day. It was a divine appointment. And you and I also have divine appointments that the Spirit of God sets up, and we've got to be sensitive to that and obedient to that. When he says, go over and join someone in conversation, author Tony Merida writes about this. These words we'll put on the screen. He said, do you have a neighbor who you've been meaning to visit or maybe a new coworker you've intended to engage in conversation? Do you have a gift that you've been thinking about giving to the struggling family down the street? Or is there someone in your school who just continues to be on your mind and heart? If so, it could be that God is up to something. Like Philip, you may have a chariot waiting for you. You see that inclination you feel to go engage that coworker, that neighbor, that family member, that friend, whatever, the inclination you feel in, to engage them in conversation, it just may be God's Holy Spirit because he's orchestrating a divine appointment for you to go over and join yourself to them to, in a gospel conversation. Before we can obey, though, we've got to be listening for the Spirit's call. The Holy Spirit is no less able and he's no less active today about arranging these divine appointments. But we've got to be sensitive and obedient and surrendered to his leading. And we've got to obey the Spirit just like Philip did. A second thing that we learn from this text about our gospel conversations is the people we encounter. The people we encounter. Now, the fact that this guy was a eunuch tells us a little bit about him. It tells us that he had been physically castrated. And I'm not going into the anatomical details involved in that, all right? You might look it up. Actually, don't do that, okay? Don't Google that. You don't want to, all right? Because as awful as that sounds, as awful as that sounds, and it does, it was common practice in that time for officials in royal courts to be castrated 
Some of them even volunteered to become eunuchs in order to be part of the royal court. I have one response to that. Hashtag nope. (laughs) That ain't happening, all right? I'm not volunteering for that. But it was common practice because uh, it eliminated the most common internal threats to a ruler's dynastic hopes. We learn about this eunuch, not only that he was a eunuch, but because of that. He was seeking to worship the God of Israel in Jerusalem, but because he was a eunuch, it meant he was excluded from being able to enter the temple. There's this obscure law in Deuteronomy 23.1 that, ex- that when applied here, it means that no physical eunuch could enter the temple. So get the picture. This guy traveled the long, hot, wearisome journey from northeastern Africa up across the Sinai Peninsula and then up to Jerusalem just so he could go to the temple and worship. And he was met there with the sting of rejection, being excluded. He couldn't be part of the club. He couldn't go into the temple. But now he's on his way back home. Philip has this divine encounter and engages him, shares with him the good news of Jesus, the Savior who said, come unto me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Let me tell you, the people whom we encounter in these divine appointments for gospel conversations, friends, coworkers, neighbors, classmates, many of them are people who have known the sting of rejection, of being excluded Perhaps, excuse me, perhaps even they've known that from a church who just didn't know how to love people well. And we have the opportunity to introduce them to the Savior who still today says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Amen? Now, something else we know about this Ethiopian eunuch. He'd been to Jerusalem to worship, and so he was almost certainly what's called a God-fearer which was a term for a non-Jew who believed in the God of Israel. But he just didn't quite understand the gospel. We might say that he was searching. On his own, he was trying to find God, if you will. But he needed someone to guide him. In fact, when Philip said, hey, do you understand what you're reading there in Isaiah? He was like, no, I need somebody to guide. I need some help here, man. Come on up and tell me about this scripture and help me understand it. Many people that we encounter today, they know something's missing. They know there's this emptiness inside they're trying to fill. They're looking for answers, groping in the darkness, trying to find fulfillment or find God or however you want to term it on their own. And just like that Ethiopian eunuch, they are open to discussing spiritual truth because they realize how broken and empty they are. They know they need help. They know they need someone to guide them. They need someone to have a gospel conversation with them. And so in this case, with just some simple guidance from Philip, who obeyed the Spirit of God, this eunuch came to saving faith in Jesus and became a follower of Christ. He was a lot like many people whom we encounter, primed and ready for a gospel conversation just waiting for someone to engage them. Now, as you think about that, understand that there are particular times in life when people are more open to gospel conversations. Times when they're already inclined to be thinking about spiritual things, like during the Easter season, during the Christmas season, 
or at times in life like when a child is born, when, stra- when tragedy strikes, when a loved one passes away. These are key opportunities not to be insensitive and obnoxious, but to recognize they're going to be more open to talking about spiritual things in those times. Another key opportunity for gospel conversations may come even tonight during the Super Bowl. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't care who wins, as long as it's not the Eagles, all right? <laughs> That's how I feel about it, all right? That's where I'm at, okay? But, but during the Super Bowl tonight, there are two faith-based ads that are going to air, one in the first half and one in the second half, from the He Gets Us campaign, okay? And um, everyone, we know, turn, tunes into the Super Bowl and likes to watch those commercials, don't we? But these two particular commercials, they were designed and created, and they're being aired specifically and intentionally to create opportunities for us to have gospel conversations with family or friends who are watching the big game with us. Christian donors have invested $20 million for these two commercials because they're trying to create millions of opportunities for people like you and me to talk about the gospel. So don't miss those opportunities. And in those key times of life or tonight at the big game, man, don't be insensitive, don't be pushy, don't be obnoxious, but be sensitive to the Spirit of God and opportunities that will arise in those key times. See, more people than we usually realize are curious about Jesus. They may very well come to a place of saving faith if we would just obey the Spirit's prompting, open our mouths and tell the good news of Jesus. A third thing, and I need to move quickly, a third thing we learn from this text is the questions we ask and the questions we answer. Okay? Now notice, the Lord told Philip to approach that Ethiopian eunuch. He said, you go over there and initiate the conversation. Now we just said that there are people who are anxious for someone to help them understand the gospel, but guys, that does not give us an out to just sit back and wait for them to ask. Because the truth is, Most of them are not going to be as confident and forward as was this Ethiopian eunuch. People are very tentative, at best, very tentative about asking spiritual questions. And just like you and I, we we get kind of nervous and uncomfortable when we need to introduce the gospel into a conversation. Man, how do you think it feels for a non-believer trying to ask spiritual questions? It's really hard. They're intimidated by that. And so we have to initiate conversations. When Philip went over to the chariot, he quickly surveyed the situation. He realized, hey, this was an easy way to steer the conversation toward the gospel. And to do that, don't miss this, the way he did that was by asking a leading question. A leading question. A question that would move that conversation beyond simple pleasantries to some spiritual substance. He said, do you understand what you're reading? That's not an intimidating question. Just a simple strategic question. I'm going to tell you, like any of us, preachers included, it would have been a lot easier for Philip to talk about the weather or what's the model of this chariot that you're in over here, you know, or whatever else. (laughs) But you see, Philip recognized this guy was ready to talk about spiritual truth. And so he went straight to the point, the heart of the matter. Now think about it. In our general conversation, we almost always use questions to steer the topic, don't we? Hey, did you see that movie about whatever, and then we talk about it. Did did you get that email from the boss last week? I mean, and then a conversation happens. Or, well, you know, two moms might get together. Man, do your kids ever drive you nuts when, 
There's a lot you could fill in the blank there, right? <laughs> but then a conversation comes out of that topic. You ask a simple, leading, non-threatening question, and then you might have a 30-minute conversation about that very topic. Questions are a great tool for steering conversations to talk about movies or to talk about the gospel. Also, as you think about questions, as you develop a friendly relationship with someone, you increasingly earn the right to begin asking more personal questions about their faith. As you show yourself friendly, as you get to know them genuinely, you can begin to ask those deeper questions. Now, also notice, it wasn't just Philip who was asking questions. The eunuch did as well. About whom does the prophet say this? In verse 34, he asked. And he just teed up this opportunity for Philip to tell him about Jesus. I mean, you talk about lobbing a softball out there. Philip, he could have frozen up on that and been like, uh, uh, well, you know, um, I, I'm not sure. I might have to ask my pastor about that. But uh, hey, what do you think about that Mavericks trade last week? Wasn't that awesome? That's what we do sometimes. Opportunities teed up for us. And we steer the conversation instead to something that's a little easier to talk about, something that's more comfortable. Now, Philip saw this divine appointment unfolding, and he used that guy's question to talk about Jesus. Let me tell you, we've got to do the same thing. People, they may not come out and ask those questions directly like, what's the deal with Jesus? How can I know God? Or whatever. But if we'll listen and read between the lines in conversation, they often tee up opportunities for you to just talk about Jesus. Seize those opportunities. Turn the conversation toward the gospel. Use questions. You may be just mortified that that might actually happen sometime. They might ask you questions about faith. What would I do? Well, Philip went to Scripture. He was able to explain the gospel from Scripture because he knew Scripture. And church, I'm just going to tell you, that underlines the point for us how important it is that we study God's Word. In fact, we'll put this on the screen for you. Studying God's Word is preparation for gospel conversations. You might want to write that down. We've got to learn God's Word. It's not just a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's the training ground for gospel conversations. I am almost out of time, but finally this morning, number four, the fourth thing we learn, the good news that we tell. Philip opened his mouth and told him the good news about Jesus. <laughs> Whew. I hope somebody says that about me one day. I'm going to tell you, I've known some folks who those very words could be inscribed on their tombstone because that's how they live their life. He opened his mouth and told the good news of Jesus. People that just have Jesus on their lips, they find ways to introduce others to Jesus. Like someone asks, hey, how you doing today? Oh, man, the Lord's been so good to me. Let me tell you about it. And then just flow into the gospel. Real shame about the Cowboys season, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I really wish they'd have won. But you know what? That's not the most important thing I got going on in my life. Can I tell you about, you see what I'm talking about? They just turn the conversation toward the gospel. They look for those opportunities. Jesus is just on their lips they're having gospel conversations all the time, introducing people to Jesus. Now, if we could just get them to record those gospel conversations in church center, all right? That's my plug for today. All right. Anyway, but ask the question, does that sound like you? Do you open your mouth and tell the good news of Jesus? Let me tell you, folks, people need to know 
that God, as he's revealed himself in his word, is the one true God. People need to know that we've sinned against this holy God. People need to know that the eternal punishment in hell is real because of our sin. People need to know how much God loves them, though, in spite of that sin. People need to know that Jesus, the eternal God himself, he didn't come to start a movement. He came to become our Savior. People need to know that his sacrifice paid the penalty for our sin. People need to know that Jesus saves. And that through faith in him as our only redeemer, we can be forgiven and saved from hell. People need to know that eternal life in heaven is just as real as eternal death in hell. And Jesus is the only way to have that eternal life. People need the gospel. And people need us to be like Philip. To open our mouths and tell them the good news about Jesus. Like Philip, we have divine appointments all the time. But I'm afraid we miss a lot of those appointments. So let us surrender ourselves to the leading of the Spirit every day. Let's be prepared to speak about the gospel with the people we encounter. Let's ask some good questions, but also be prepared to answer some questions about faith. And when we open our mouths, may the good news of Jesus be on our lips. This is how we introduce people to Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for some extended attention this morning. (laughs) Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for how you show us a guide, and a lot of just rich nuggets about how to have gospel conversations effectively. I thank you for the divine appointments you bring in our paths. And God, our prayer this morning is that you would help us to be sensitive to the leadership of your spirit, to recognize those divine appointments, to seize those opportunities, to be a people with Jesus on our lips who would open our mouths and tell the good news about Jesus. Help us to figure out in conversations how to navigate toward the gospel. To not be obnoxious, insensitive, but to lovingly speak the gospel into people's lives. God, would you reveal to us individually what we need to apply from this, your word, to be better witnesses for you, to have gospel conversations. We ask for your gracious help in Jesus' name. Amen.